This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Would you like to join thousands of women across the globe, all worshiping Jesus together without going very far? You can join us on April 30th for the Lifeway Women Simulcast, an online experience for women to gather as we pursue Christ together in grace. We're going to feature some of your favorite authors, including Jen Wilkin, Jackie Hill Perry, Kelly Minter, Jennifer Rothschild, Christy McClellan, Jada Edwards, Ellie Holcomb, Courtney Doctor, and more. You can join us from your living room, local coffee shop, church, or wherever it is that you study best. If you're looking to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus in 2022, the Lifeway Women Simulcast is a good place to start, and we're saving a virtual seat for you. Learn more at lifeway.com slash Simulcast. And welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Elizabeth Hyman, and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, hey Kelly. Elizabeth. It's really fun to, to be here, and we're going to get to celebrate the release of some of a new study that's coming out. So I'm excited about our guest today. I know, me too. I'm excited to get to know Courtney Doctor. So, hey, Courtney, welcome to the Mark Podcast. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. Thanks for having yes, me. Yes, we're so excited. So let's just... Get, start off right away with you introducing yourself. We like to have our guests introduce themselves. Um, So tell us about yourself and your ministry. Okay, I would love to. I think a lot of times people start off telling about themselves by saying where they live, and I am in a very nebulous place. I can't really tell you that right now. We're supposed to close on a house tomorrow, though, so Lord willing, I will be resettling in North Georgia, just south of Chattanooga, Tennessee, but we've been in St. Louis for the last 11 years after moving there to go to seminary and finishing and then going on staff with the church and and loving our 11 years in St. Louis for sure. But I have four adult children. I'm married, I guess I should say that, to Craig, who after going to seminary in our 40s, he is now a pastor. And we have four adult children that are scattered all over the United States. And we now have five grandchildren, which is astounding to me. We have uh, the oldest is four, and then there's three two-year-olds, and then our first little sweet baby girl was born last February. So all boys except the little girl? All boys except this little girl. That is a fun time. (laughs) It is. And then I can't neglect to mention Walter, our beloved one and a half year old Bernadoodle that we are obsessed with. We love him so much. Yeah. And you you have some, you know, kind of a variety of your ministry kind of assignments and stuff, but you want to talk a little bit about like what you do with the Gospel Coalition and some of the things you've done there? I would love to. So I have worked as the coordinator of women's initiatives with the Gospel Coalition for the last three and a half years, and I love it. The The majority of my job is thinking through content and how we can produce resources for, now not on the editorial side, but actually on the content production side. So uh, I wrote 
the first Bible study to go with the conference a few years ago that ended up getting postponed, and that was on the book of James called Steadfast. And then Melissa Kruger and I wrote Remember Your Joy. That is to go with the conference that's coming up in June. And we're already looking at the Bible study that will go along with the conference in 2024. I get to help think through what what the keynote should be about at the big conference every other year, what the workshop should be about. And we just have a lot of fun. I am blessed to have an amazing team of capable, gifted, and really fun women to work with. Yeah, I think that's one of the unique things about your conference is the way that you set it up as far as what you work through and the studies that you have done. So I think that's a really unique concept. And I think the women who come love that. Thanks. I think it's fun too. It's, you know, that it can kind of build on each other. And this one coming up in June, they they can stand alone a little bit because there's seven different salvation stories mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. So it's less of a of a connected sequential thing than like James was, right? You had to work through the book to get there. But this one, they're a little bit more standalone, but I really am eager to hear how they all end up tying together and ultimately all pointing oh, yeah, to Jesus. Absolutely. Well, speaking of Bible yeah. studies, You have a new one coming out with us called In View of God's Mercy. So tell us a little bit about it. Well, I'm really excited about it. It was such an honor to be able to write it. Uh, So it's a nine-session study on the book of Romans. And it is, I mean, the ability to get in, to have the time to set aside, to just dive into Romans, and then to try to pull back a little bit and do it in nine sessions was challenging, but it was also incredibly just eye-opening to me in in that understanding, I think my understanding of what Romans is about increased, I hope mm-hmm. it did, right, that it is all about this, this gospel of grace, that the book of Romans, Paul's main focus is he really wanted the church in Rome to understand first what the gospel is. Well, I guess first, first, why we need it, then what it is, what, what the gospel actually accomplishes, um, what it does, and then who it's for. So, if you look at the the context of of the church in Rome, what Paul was, where Paul was writing, who, to whom he was writing, he is there's conflict, there's division, and he knows that the church in Rome needs to be united. But even their unity is not the end game. The end game is they need to be united on the truth of the gospel, so that they can be sent to the ends of the earth, which is which is where he's headed uh, with the gospel message. So. It's this beautiful message of of the gospel not only saves you, it unites you, and it equips you and compels you to go share it um, to the ends of the earth. And so what? In the, I need that message. I need to be united with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be equipped and compelled to go share the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so it was fun to be able to keep that, that overarching message throughout. The I love sessions. that you said that because I'm— One of the things that I started last year is I'm journaling through the New Testament, and I'm actually almost finished with Romans right now. And today I was in Romans 15, and what you just said in in verse 20 says, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. So that is. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And so. Yes. And he's inviting them into that mission. He's inviting them in to not only financially support him and, and support him in prayer, but to go with him. 
Uh, and so as you get into Romans 16, maybe tomorrow, you know, you'll see all the different people that he mentions and all the different roles that they play in the life of the church. And and I think he's just reminding us that it, it really takes the whole body to accomplish the mission mm-hmm. of God. It's what he's entrusted us with. I love that. Oh, Kelly, were you no, saying something? No, no, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, I love that. And like Romans 12 is one that I go back to over and over again whenever um, the one another's come up in scripture. Mm. And it's something that I feel like I've had to learn over and over again, The not only to weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. And I, um, I feel like that is a lesson for all of us. And um, it's actually one that I've talked about before with social media. I'm like, this is how we're supposed to act in real life and right. online um, and putting others above ourselves and, and doing everything as far as it depends on us mm-hmm. um, to be agreeable, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is not uh, not how we generally act on social media. So um, I can't wait for this. And Romans is not an easy book, um, but it's probably one of the most foundational books, both uh, theology-wise and then, like we talked about, in practicality. So how did you tackle both of those in this nine-week study? <laughs> no big right. deal on the right. like, this <laughs> major book of our faith. <laughs> well, I, that, that, that connection between theology and practice, I think, is so clear in the book of Romans. I mean, Paul actually structures his letter around that exact thing. And so ultimately, right, our theology is meant to drive our practice. That's that's how it works. And so the truth of who God is dictates the way we live and the way we respond. And so Paul structures his letter in a way that the first 11 chapters are predominantly what we call indicatives. I mean, they're just truths about God for, for almost exclusively, not entirely, but almost exclusively, just truth statements. This is who God is. This is what he's done. This is what he does for you in Christ. This is how it works. This is what's true of you now. Like, these are the things that are yours. This is the confidence you can have. I mean, Paul's just telling us all of this beautiful theology that is true, and it's rich, and it's deep, and it's beautiful. And then Well, there's this beautiful transition at the end of chapter 11 where he falls on his face and just worships, right? The doxology at the end of 11 where he just praises God for all of the true things that he said about God and about Jesus and about the gospel of grace and about the salvation that God offers. Then in chapter 12, he turns and he says, therefore, in view of God's mercies, which is why we named the book what we did, in view of God's mercies, meaning in light of everything that I've just said about God, in light of all of these things that are true, this is how you're going to live it out. And he he turns into the practice of living out, living out of the gospel. And so Paul did it for us. It's right there, uh, just on the pages and the way he structured his letter. So it was, that was a, a beautiful piece to be able to just sit in and, and look at. Yeah. I I know growing up in the church, I didn't always hear the indicatives. I would hear the imperatives. And mm-hmm. I kind of thought that Paul was a ter- like a mean a mean person <laughs> because it was just like, right. do this, don't do this, do what I say, do as I do. And I was always just like, man, he is just not very nice. And um, <laughs> then I have learned just in fairly recent years, like, all of this goes together. So you have to see the indicatives mm. before you can see the imperatives and they, the indicatives give you the why. And so mm-hmm. I think that's so important 
for us to keep in mind because sometimes in Paul's letters, it is structured to where the indicatives all come first, but we've just memorized the imperatives. And so we haven't, Mm -hmm. we don't connect the two. And I think that is so important to do because like you said, the theology leads into the practicality. And so that's great. I love how you just said that, Elizabeth. And I think that like that's at the core of understanding grace, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That we do not perform or obey um, any of this in order to earn God's love or favor. We yeah. do it because we've already been loved and we already have His favor. And so even understanding that connection between theology and practice, indicatives and imperatives, um, mm-hmm. who God is and what we do, like understanding that is really understanding that it's all grace, grace that saves us and grace that enables us to respond. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I even just have a little note in Romans 12, just kind of where we talk about in view of God's mercies, that it's new each morning, that to receive Hmm. that every single day, that grace and that mercy from the Lord, um, which is, you know, I just have to remember it. And and then he does urge us to present ourselves as the living sacrifice. Um, I know when you study this, like when you're the one who's writing a Bible study, you definitely are the one who is going to learn the most, even though we all learn from what you've learned. (laughs) But was there some aha moments or maybe some new things when you were writing the study that you learned along the way? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, so many, right? I think that just even as we named the Bible study and view of God's mercies, that was that really became sort of this overarching framework. And and God just revealed the vastness of mm-hmm. his mercies time and time again. I think I was looking at at especially the first 11 chapters through that lens. And it just because in the Greek the, the word mercy is plural. It is mercies. It's so many mercies. And and so the vastness of his mercies just really hit me in in new ways, uh, really beautiful ways. I think that I also, you know, Elizabeth, you kind of just referred to this, but um, this idea of not really understanding who Paul was and and seeing him, I felt like I got to know him in a new way and, and seeing that he has this deep love of God and of the church. It's not just, you know, he's not just some head on a stick. I mean, he's brilliant, right? He's so brilliant. I can hardly Mm -hmm. wait to meet him one day. I just am astounded at the mind that the Lord gave him because his ability to make those connections between Mm. this his entire understanding of the old testament that he was he was raised on and trained in and then his ability to just make these incredible you know he explains how that has all become true in the gospel of jesus christ and so he's brilliant but man i was confronted and (laughs) learned so much more about his love of god as i studied romans yeah i I can't wait to do this book because I I think I, there's so much about Romans that um that I just don't know. Like I, we talk about, you know, we're we're vaguely familiar with Romans because it is a very like mm-hmm. uh foundational book to our faith, but uh so we've got a lot of the individual verses memorized, but I think uh this study will just help us to see the connection like you were saying and just get to know Paul and who he is and get to know um, God as a result, because he's constantly pointing to God and his characteristics. And so I am looking forward to working through this Bible study for sure. Thank you. Um, so you, and 
as well as writing this Bible study, you are also a big proponent of Bible study in general and biblical literacy. And that is in the work that you do with the Gospel Coalition and in your Bible studies and everything. So what are some of the things that you see women struggling with as they dig deeper into Scripture? Such a great question. Um, and I, I don't really have to look a lot further than my own heart to right. maybe understand why we struggle to dig deeper into right. Scripture. I mean, because it's not, even though, I mean, I love God and His Word, and I do um, clearly, uh, you know, want want us all to better understand his word and to understand what he's accomplishing through his word. But but it, it's just hard sometimes. And right. I I was um, in a seminary class and the the guy sitting next to me, if you were, you know, a few seats down, raised his hand and I think he said what we were all thinking. He said to the to the professor, he said, Would you just tell us what to think? Just tell, like, just feed me, like, like, give me the conclusion. Just tell me what to think. And I thought, oh, my word, that is so true. Just, just, I don't want to have to figure this out on my own. And so I think that that is a huge obstacle in study and digging into, in digging deeper into scripture and that it's just hard. I mean, that it, it is not easy and it is easier to just read what somebody else has already digested, what somebody else has already thought and just to believe it. And so when I look around, I have to tell myself, it's not a lack of tools. Uh, there are so, we have so many resources for understanding and digging into God's word. We have, we have so many tools available to us. It's certainly not a lack in the goodness of God's word, right? I mean, that is, his word is not the one that is lacking in any way. And so I just have to look at my own heart and I have to Mm -hmm. think, you know what? This is hard and I don't like hard things. I mean, in the same way I would rather eat a cookie than a kale salad. (laughs) I just, I like things that are easier and sweeter and nicer. And and sometimes true Bible study, it just takes work. And so, um. I think through the years, the the things that I've learned when my own heart either becomes, honestly, when my own heart becomes either lazy or rebellious, or I just don't want to do it, the first thing I have to do is pray and ask Mm -hmm. God to give me a hunger for his word. So that's a pretty consistent prayer in my life is, Lord, give me this almost insatiable hunger. I know his word will satisfy me. I know I will be satiated, but make my hunger so that I just want more and more and more. Um, And so ask God to give that to you. And then when I'm really feeling like I just, the obstacle feels kind kind of big in front of me to dig deep into God's word. I will go back and read Psalm 119 and and I pray and ask God to use that word to to give me a desire a greater desire for for the whole counsel of God's word because it's all about, you know, the beauty and the sufficiency and the um the goodness of God's word. Yeah, I think it's going to be super encouraging for women to hear that it is a struggle even if you're a Bible study author. Like there are times when it is a struggle and I think that's encouraging and we're all in this together. We're all trying to do this. Um, and it is sometimes hard, but it is so worth it. And I think that's a, an encouraging message for women who are listening to this. Yeah, we, def- we definitely are kind of, we, we like the microwave approach, right? We just want to, mm-hmm. you know, like give it to me and I want it now. And, and sometimes like just even meditating on scripture, spending time and just going back over and, so grateful that 
that God's word is always fresh to us and it's living and active and, and just changes us. But you, you kind of led us a little bit on this um, next question, Courtney, but when you think about like your spiritual rhythms, like what you do each day, like maybe it is like going to Psalm 119 or things like that. I, I think that there's an inside look that people love to know. Like what do you, what's your routine? Like how do you spend time with the Lord? Is there some, some rhythms that you have? Yeah, there are. And again, I think, well, not again, I don't think I said this, but it's, they're descriptive, not prescriptive, right? But, but if they can be helpful, uh, I, I do find that consistency is, is of time and place for me is important. And so when I'm not in the middle of a cross country move, I, um, I do tend to set my alarm and get up and I have my, you know, my little morning routine. I would, I, I like, coffee to have actually hit my brain before I open the word. I just do better. So it's about 20 minutes between between that first sip of coffee and when I when I open the word and I start with prayer because it's I need the Holy Spirit to illumine the word. I need I need him to open my mind and my heart and and um, help me understand and then help me apply. So I, I start with prayer, holding out the word before the Lord and asking him to show me um, himself and and what he would have me do as a response. And then I read, and as I read, I try, this is something I've, I've tried to, I've worked on in the past several years, maybe the last decade. I, I really try to apply my brain to asking myself what this meant to the original audience. And so that it's so easy to start reading and just immediately be thinking about what it's saying to me. And so that's just a discipline that I've had to, to work on and to to read it as if I were the original audience and and it was it was being written because it was written to them first and so the meaning for them I have to understand that before I can understand the meaning for me and then I take time rather than just shutting the Bible at that point because then it just hasn't done anything I mean I just you know I can forget it as soon as I close the book and so leaving the Bible open either through journaling or just through sitting there and asking myself some questions. I do ask certain questions. What did this teach me about God? What have I, what does this highlight about who God is? And what does this highlight about what he's doing or what he's done? And then what does this, what does this um, say about me? My need for this, for a savior, my need for the gospel, how I'm to respond to the gospel. And then, because that's not even the end game, right? The end game is actually obeying it. And so it may be that the response from that text is that I worship, or maybe the response is that I repent, or maybe the response is that I pray for increased compassion for others or love of others. I mean, there's a there's a thousand different applications, um, but, but then I ask God. So if I start with prayer, I end with prayer, asking him to show me and help me um, apply the, the truth of his word to my life. I read something this morning by Charles Spurgeon and it just really struck me. Um, I think I, I even put it on my Twitter. I just put prayer should be the key of the day and the lock of the night. And just uh, oh, I, I, I know just that thing, that thought of, okay, it opens our minds to what he's trying to say, but we reflect on what he's done at the end of our day. And I know I had a seminary professor on, in spiritual formation last semester that was just talking about, you know, how do we end our day? What are the things that we ask the Lord that 
we've just kind of done, you know, and, and not just, you know, starting our day in Bible study, but reflecting on it, like what you said, like, are we being obedient? And I don't think we spend as much time doing that as we should. Well, I love what you just said, Kelly, because I think I haven't, I have never thought of it like this, but I think I might start incorporating then at the end of my day to pray. And I mean, I pray at the end of my day, but I'm not starting to incorporate that, but to pray and to ask the Lord back to what I studied that morning. Mm -hmm. Did I live out that response? Did I believe that truth more? Did I, anyway, I like that, the the key and the lock um, and to actually bring that Bible study full circle Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. I have a follow-up question on what you said, Courtney, about knowing the context, the original audience and the original Mm -hmm. context. What are some tools that you use to determine that? Because I think we get that question a lot uh, through our various social media and blogs. Uh Like, how do I know what is the original audience or the original context? What are some tools that you use for that? Such a great question. I think for what what we're talking about here, a, a quiet time with the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, time in his word every day. I would say two things. One is a really good study Bible. And and there are so many. And so that is not, um, that does not take a lot of time. That is maybe as you, you know, hopefully you're reading consecutively through books, Mm -hmm. that that's how you're approaching the word and not just kind of hopping around and opening the page to see, you know, what, what that verse might say to you today, but hopefully you're reading through books of the Bible. And so that means that at the beginning of each book, maybe you spend one morning reading a little bit about when it was written um, and to whom it was written. So that's not a, a hugely time consuming thing. And the second thing I would say is to increase your knowledge and your understanding of the storyline of scripture so that you know when you're in Ezekiel where you are in redemptive history. So when I say redemptive history, I just mean in the the storyline of God's redemption of the world. So starting in Genesis and you know starting with creation, ending with new creation, so that you have a, a just a a deep understanding of the fact that if you're reading James, you're reading words and verses that were written after the church was established, or if you're reading Joshua, you're reading, you know, as they're entering the the land and what, you know, what covenants were in place, what God had already done for the people of God, Mm -hmm. understanding that. So, so how to increase your understanding of that or, or do increasing your understanding of that is what I would recommend, because that's going to give you even that understanding, not just of cultural awareness, which is important, but mm-hmm. I think sometimes that can require a little bit more study. Right. But just where you are in the story of Scripture and who these people were. Were they in exile? Were they in Egypt? Mm-hmm. Were they in the promised land? You know, right. Um, I, th- I think those are some of the most important questions we need we need to understand when we're understanding context. Yeah, that's that's super helpful because I think a lot of times women get bogged down, and I do this too, where it's just like, oh, I have to know what this ritual was or what this, mm-hmm. you know, um, what do they mean by the this, this, and this, which are all good and great and helpful for your 
like when you're really wanting to dive deep, but it's not necessary for you to fully understand the scripture to know like the full history of the Roman empire, you know? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But doesn't it help? Like when you're reading Leviticus, doesn't it help to know that God had just filled the tabernacle with his presence Yes, (laughs) and that they are not yet in the, like you understand a little bit more about why he's giving these sometimes very hard to understand yes. laws uh, at that particular point. So yes. yeah, I yeah, agree with absolutely you. Absolutely. Just even like knowing that. And then also just knowing the genre of what you're reading, right. of, you know, what is. Exactly. Thank <laughs> you for saying that. Yes, absolutely. We don't read a proverb the way we read an, a historical narrative, right. do we? Right. We get in trouble if we do. <laughs> Right. Okay, we want an inside look into because sometimes we have fun things about when we film Lifeway Bible studies that people don't know. <laughs> and you filmed your Bible study inside a nightclub. Now I we I have not heard the story about this, but we want to know like how did that happen? <laughs> well, okay. First of all, technically, it's an event venue. So (laughs) I just want to clarify that we were not keeping people from their (laughs) evening bar hopping by filming (laughs) our Bible study there. But it is called the Boo Cat Club. So that was interesting when we were sending out invitations for people to join us for the filming. Uh, We did film it at the Boo Cat Club. So there is that. But the reason that we did is because in the basement of the Boo Cat Club, there is a room called the Catacombs. And and Ryan found this room. And so it's all Roman architecture. It's columned archways. It's these brick floors. And if... If you know church history, you know that tradition says that the early church met in the catacombs to escape persecution. So the catacombs were the burial places. And it was a place that, if tradition is right, that people were able, the early church, early Christians were able to gather there and worship without being detected by the the Roman government. So when we heard that it was named the catacombs and saw this Roman architecture, I think the whole team just got a vision for how fun it could be to film the the Bible study on the book of Romans um, that was written to this church, early church in the capital city of the Roman Empire to film it in a room called the catacombs. I'm just laughing about that the Booth Cat fun. Club in the catacombs. Yes. <laughs> for real. For real. You cannot make that stuff up. The Booth Cat Club. I think that one will go down in the like uh, the list of most interesting places we filmed or things like that. I That's kind really of fun. hope so because yeah. if it gets more interesting than that, we are really in trouble. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but they were so fantastic to work with. That's great. <laughs> yes. Well, you talked a little bit, you alluded to this earlier, but talk a little bit more about selling the farm. So we heard that you and your (laughs) husband literally sold the farm in order to go to seminary. Were you both in seminary at the same time? What kind of led to that decision? And you you mentioned that you were older when you went to seminary. You were in your 40s. Is that right? We were early 40s. Yeah. Um, So tell us about that. Well, we had settled in Wichita, Kansas, where I grew up. My parents were there. We had you know, when the kids were little, bought 15 acres, built this house that that I loved. We built a house to look like an old farmhouse. And, you know, it was really a very, for my heart and for what I love, it was a very idyllic setting. We had a, a 
two-story red barn, you know, with a hayloft door. And uh, we had some ponies and horses out in the pasture, and I've ridden horses my whole life. And so it's just this very idyllic setting. And I, and I did think, I mean, this is where the Lord has settled us. We will be here for the rest of my days. You know, I pictured my girls getting married on the property, the, you know, maybe being buried on the property. I don't know, but I, I thought we would be there for uh, for the rest of my life and was thrilled about it. We have dear friends there. So my husband was in corporate finance at the time. I was teaching Bible studies and, and um, we had always thought about seminary. It had always been in the back of our mind. And finally, we just felt like the Lord was calling us to go. My husband in particular, because for him, it was a, it was a 180 degree turn. For me, it was just more equipping mm-hmm. along you know, the path of what I was already doing. Mm -hmm. And so, so we did. So we sold the farm, which is just kind of the big joke, but we sold the farm and we moved to St. Louis. I was, we were in our early forties. We had, um, two of our, our boys had just headed off to college and our two girls were coming with us obviously, but they were going into sixth and eighth grade. And so we moved to St. Louis and then we ended up staying there after we graduated. We both went on staff together at a church. So yes, we went through seminary at the same time together, same degree program, same classes, same schedule. You know, he carried my backpack. <laughs> it was um, it was a trip for sure. But then we went on staff together at a church and um, and and did that for five years. And so we just continue to, to partner and cheer each other on in ministry. That is so fun. And I think um, it's an encouragement to a lot of women who may be thinking, is seminary for me? I don't know. I'm not in the right life stage. Like if it's for you, if God is laying that on your heart, then <laughs> yes. do what you have to do to get there um, for sure. Yes. And even going back to an earlier question, I am such a big fan of biblical literacy mm-hmm. and there are more, there's more than one way to be theologically literate. Uh, there's formal theological training, which obviously I'm a big fan of. Right. And there's also informal theological training. There's so many good resources at our fingertips that if attending online classes, whether it's time or finances or moving or whatever it would take, if that is prohibitive or you just don't feel called to it, there are so many ways to be. I know all of our all of our seminaries, all the ones that you and I would would recommend, uh, they they recommend or they they all provide free online classes. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many good books. And so whether it's formally or informally theologically educated, I say do Absolutely. it. There's, there's never yes. a late time to, to jump in and do that for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we always yes. ask this question um, in our podcast, and we want to ask you, Courtney, what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with Christ? That's a hard question. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but it's a hard question because obviously so many things. I can get as specific as just a verse that has marked me or, or as big as, or the gospel, Jesus, like being saved from myself and my sin. But as I thought about that, uh, knowing that you would ask that, because I know you ask everybody that, the, the thing that stuck out to me is if being marked means being identified with Christ and being transformed more into his image, which is what God promises us he will do, then I would say it's the hard seasons that have really marked me. And so when I think about hard seasons, I think about the times that 
I wanted something and didn't get it, or it was just not the way I wanted it to look. And I've gone through seasons of, of loneliness. I've gone through seasons where I've just, I haven't understood what God is doing, seasons of, of suffering. I mean, there've been hard seasons in my marriage. There've been hard seasons in my parenting. I've had hard seasons in friendship and in work. I mean, all of it. But but looking back, I I really do see that those seasons cultivated something in me that probably wouldn't have been cultivated in me if it hadn't been hard. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. I do think that the hard seasons did. So I'm, I think I'm saying that as an encouragement to anybody in a hard season that something happened in those seasons that did actually transform me more and more ever, you know, incrementally more and more into the image of Christ um, Mm -hmm. that I can look back and I can say, okay, I actually do see more compassion. I see more patience. I see more love, uh, those things. And so I'm grateful, uh, but I think the hard seasons have marked me. And definitely, you know, I just was listening to someone yesterday and they were like, you don't grow a church by acting like you've got it all together. You can People relate to you more when they understand the pain that you've been through and that you can relate to the pain because everyone experiences pain at some point. Mm. Yeah. Amen. And just thinking through, um, I was recently looking at Hebrews, and now I can't remember the verse. Y'all will know it. Um, It's the, we don't have a high priest who can't Mm -hmm. sympathize with our weaknesses. And this is my version. I'm not quoting directly from scripture, but um, because he understands our weaknesses, he came to earth and Mm -hmm. uh, became a human and understands what it's like to be a human. And so I think about, I I used to think a lot about my weaknesses being um, like either physical weaknesses or sin. But I think sometimes it's just the fact that we have to live in this human body with human emotions and human um like mental state. And so that is a, that's a weakness. Um, and so Absolutely. just thinking through like, and, and human circumstances too. And so like you were saying, Courtney, just the hard things like that is part of our, our weaknesses as humans is just having to live in this broken world. Um, and so I think I'm so thankful that we have a, a savior and a high priest who um, understands that and knows what that's like. Um, and he uses those circumstances to bring us closer to him and, and more like him, like you said, so beautifully. That's a beautiful reminder. Thank you. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for being with us today. And we are super excited about your new Bible study. And our listeners, um, we just want you to grab a copy of the study, get your girlfriends together. Don't be intimidated because you know it's about Romans and you think Romans is hard. <laughs> because it will give you just a better yes. understanding of God's mercies on all of us. And so, Courtney, thank you for being such a faithful Bible teacher and for being with us today. Thanks for yeah. having me. Thank all you. right, listeners, we will be back next week. And Elizabeth, I look forward to being back with you. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag marked podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.